welcome back to the Pistachio Experience. My name is Roman, and I'm your host of this delightful show. Today's guest is someone with a very special set of skills. Dr. Jota Fur is an allopathically trained doctor and shamanic healer. His Western medical training was done at UCLA, and his shamanic training happened at Niurao Centro Espiritual under Maestro Shaman Ricardo Amaringo. I met Joe at a conference in Rochester, Minnesota, and I was immediately amazed by his approach to spirituality and the magic that lies in plant medicine. His book, The Fellowship of the River, is a masterful approach to bridge the gap between modern science and plant medicine. Joe manages to captivate a wide spectrum of readers by vulnerably sharing his own journey, offering convincing case studies, allowing a peek behind the veil, and linking it all to the research that Western medicine has done. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm sure you will take something away that may change your mind. If you'd like to help us grow, please share, like, and leave some stars for us. You can listen to the Pistachio Experience on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on my website. As always, I'm so grateful to your offering of time. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Joe Duffer. Nice. So, um, uh, um, Joe, I, um, just to let you know, I just press record. Okay. Well, the, all, the one other thing I just want to mention is sure. that, uh, you know, my book's in German. You know, I don't know if you know that, but it's oh. in German. And it's, oh, because uh, I've, I kept talking to my mom about it. So I'll, I'll, yeah, uh, it's in German. It's uh, their spirit von ayahuasca. There, a lot of people feel the name is strange, mm-hmm. but that was what they chose. I'll put the link for it for you, just so you know. All right, the spirit von ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, as Germans. <laughs> yeah, not though with the, the the language of the poets. No, I prefer um, the original title. Yeah, but you know they, the OG. They were very, they were very uh, interested. Like they really gave me a good advance for the translation. Beautiful. And I was like, whoa! They really. Mm. It was the most, you know, generous. Okay. Um, yeah, the Germans were aggressive. You know, they wow. spent a lot of money to buy the the rights. Wow. Yeah, I think in Germany, although I'm not really familiar, but the the whole <clears throat> the spiritual movement and and the yeah. Um, um you know the, the advancement of the the self is is quite uh, quite big yeah hmm. so yeah we, we can start whenever you want to start huh or we are starting perfect here. uh we, we already started we already knee deep <laughs> right um joe first of all again also for me um it's such a pleasure to have you on um um especially you as a um um you know a, a classical trained md um, yeah, and um, also um, a shaman. Yeah, um, I find this um, to me anyway. It gives me gives me hope that there's uh, you know that, that people like you bridge the gap between the the mystical and the three D world, if we can call it like this. Um, and I guess my first question would go towards how did you go through the last two years? The COVID. Yeah. Mm. Good question. Yeah. The COVID for me was, uh, you know, I, I actually, I have my mom here in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm visiting the house right now. And so she was alone. And, and so I, 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 she has a big house bigger than my apartment. 
Mm. And so I, I went to the house at the beginning of the COVID and started mm. doing like home improvement projects. Like I didn't, that's not something I've done enough of in my life, like mm. fixing building. So I started doing that. That was what I started doing because the clinic as a doctor, I was doing some urgent care, primary care. But in order to, to do that, well, that was where the COVID was, you know, so mm. I kind of like, if I'm going to go work there, then I can't go to these other events because nobody wants to go to other events with me. You know, if I uh, was just with the COVID. Mm. So I took a little pause. I started moving to more telehealth work mm. uh, through the clinic, doing stuff on the phone. And I, you know, just continued my other projects. So I, mm. it really, for me, it was like the beginning was a very slow time, you know, like the world stopped for a while. Mm. And it was kind of beautiful. I mean, it was sad, of course, the people that are suffering, the people that did get sick and, and had a hard time. But <clears throat> there was also an amazing pause, you know, mm. and um, I don't know, I remember there was one, well, I was somebody that traveled so much and used to traveling all the time and then not to be able to travel. And, uh, and then there was a Colombian, there were Colombian healers that were trapped in Los Angeles. And this lady was saying, and they work with medicine and ayahuasca and things and mm. She was, you know, doing her consultation with the spirits and with the elders. What do we do? And she's, she announced to that community that she just received the message that wherever you are at the beginning of COVID, just stay there. And that's it. Just mm -hmm. stay there and do your work. And just right now is the time to try to just whatever. Everybody just like everything's already done. All the ceremonies, all the rituals, everything. It's, it's done mm -hmm. now. Now you just have to bring your light wherever you are. Wow. To, that's, the, that's what is needed is not no more preparation, but just actually bringing your light <clears throat> to wherever you are to, to, to try to help shift the darkness. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. So that kind of got me just to be here more, continue with my projects here with our spiritual community in Arizona and working on my online class, you know, I had an online class, the zoom, the zoom boom, I got into the zoom boom, you know, which is fading now. And, uh, I was doing online classes and teaching online and just slowing down, you know, mm -hmm. seeing that everyone's talking about all oh, the pollution is clearing up, or this is the, you know, the birds are coming back or this, mm -hmm. all these changes. And that's what I remember about the beginning. And that was very interesting. And then, yeah, everybody got tired of it and frustrated you know, and there's a lot of tension all over the place and that, you know, all the polarization that came out of it became kind of the main discussion after a while, you know, are you on this side? Are you on that side? Especially in America. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was that. So things got really kind of stark hmm. and then slowly we we're coming out of it. And it seemed like, I don't know, people are hopefully looking for, something a little more real i think also the getting carried away with your screen and your phone and the information and not really talking to people mm -hmm. about what's going on and getting so off in a direction you know from the algorithms or whatever mm -hmm. so disconnected so then getting people back with each other i think we're just like seeing it right now like what what happened? We did, we've been doing these picnics with our spiritual community here in Arizona, the Church of the Eagle and the Condor. And I, I don't know, I find that the people from that group, they're like, they really kind of had a, evolved, you know? Mm -hmm. So everybody seemed kind of healthier and more, 
I don't know, the people that put the time in and took advantage of the experience, it was an experience for a lot of like reflection and a lot of um, personal work and all that shifts, a lot of shifts for a lot of people. So hmm. I don't know. For me, there's a lot of things the last two years. And so I've been, I was waiting to go back to Peru. I didn't go back to Peru. Then I finally went back to Peru. And also thinking about my next moves and I don't know, there were a lot of projects just still running, but everything was interrupted. Everything was, you know, hmm. and we were doing an epigenetics project and we really collect saliva on people going through the MDMA assisted psychotherapy trial. Hmm. So it was just getting going and we were excited about the results and oh my God. And then, oh, you can't collect saliva in the clinic anymore. Mm-hmm. They have to do it at home because of the COVID. Hmm. So then it like stops and then the bureaucracy, oh, you have to do the new paperwork, but none of the offices are functioning because hmm. COVID. Mm. So, you know just everything got screwed up but all that stuff is slowly coming back online you know for me there so was yeah, something I, I wanted to um, to speak to you about about the the mdma um, test that you yeah. started doing mm-hmm. yeah um are you going back to uh, um, to study that or is it being stopped no we, we so we managed to to get this a few like 23 you know, samples before we got stopped. Mm-hmm. But then we said, well, let's analyze it. If we have to stop, let's analyze it. You want more numbers to prove something. And everyone's like, well, you're never going to prove anything with just 23 is too small mm-hmm. or you won't even find anything. But Can we look a bit more about <clears throat> um, what happened yeah. and what you tested. So this is the MDMA assisted psychotherapy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the form of, of psychotherapy using MDMA. And this is MAPS the organization in the United States multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest, you know, psychedelic study, I think in the world right now, the most impactful, the most, um, no one has anything that done so much for ecstasy than uh, Rick Dublin. That's true. <laughs> and just for psychedelics in general, yeah, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because the, the, the shift of the psychedelic renaissance and the clinical use of, of MDMA, which has opened the door for psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy, mm-hmm. which has encouraged the growth of ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, <clears throat> is all largely influenced by the effectiveness of the study. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the study, which to enter the study, you need, you know, they were, because it's psychedelics or MDMA, it's not, you know, they make it difficult for them to create a study so it has to be people who have you know really severe problems so that means people with a chronic ptsd treatment resistant ptsd the average length of time of their problem is 20 years and so that's who they get to be in the study and you know apparently there's plenty of those people actually because the current treatment options for somebody like that are not that effective Mm-hmm. You know, just the idea that you'd have 20 years of suffering from some trauma. So they did the, they started the study. They were able to get that passed and do it. And then they had this, these really incredible results with a 12 week intervention that only has three sessions of the MDMA. And then there's 12 weeks of therapy with three sessions of MDMA with the therapist. And at the end of the study, they're into the, like the high 60% that they no longer have PTSD according wow. to their measures so that is basically a transformational change that Mm -hmm. is uh you know rocking the psychiatric world because it really speaks to well there's something possible that we didn't think was possible at all Mm -hmm. and 
it's changing people's lives and people want to know about it and they want to find out how they can get it. You know, the people that are suffering are their family members. So that the study and the way it's been run and the way they've done it in with the United States, with the FDA, the food and drug administration has been the study that is going to, they're in the last phase of getting, if they can complete all the requirements, which they've made very difficult, you know, they made it very difficult for them, but if they can complete it all very expensive process, then next year MDMA will be a prescription, you know, it'll be legal for, for doctors to prescribe it, to use it in this kind of therapy. So next year. Wow. So it's a big, big deal. And that's what's, that's what's sending ripples across the planet earth mm-hmm. to help encourage similar research. And then the psilocybin is right behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's a very policy, you know, it's impacting policy. Mm. So it's a big, big deal. So when we were interested in, because of this transformational change, if somebody has 20 years of PTSD and then after 12 weeks, they don't have it anymore. You know, something we feel like something really dramatic shifted inside of them. So because of my work with ayahuasca and plant medicine in South America, you know, I was guided through my experience. And that's what my book's about. You know, Fellowship of the River is one of the things that it's about is like this discussion and theory about this epigenetics that mm-hmm. that there's this reason to believe that some of the trauma that affects us can affect us at this level of the DNA, that it would modify the way your genes function from the trauma, the trauma could cause that kind of biological change. And then that biological change would be kind of a form of conditioning that would be very stable in the system that could right. stay with you for years. So and the so epigenetics then, is the, the societal impact or the. It's, it's a form impact. of it's, Yeah. It's a form. It's a, it's a way to think about it of the environmental impact, mm-hmm. the right? setting, setting of life. The set and setting of life, which includes, you know, nutrition. So there is a biochemical element, you know, okay. the nutrition, the chemicals, the carcinogens, the, you know, all those aspects of physical reality. And then the way that these other things that have the, the blend into psychological and emotional, you know, and they have their material, you know, component, but the way those things affect. So okay. the way that traumatic experiences or a lack of love or you know these attachment disorder type things that people are interested in the way mm-hmm. that kind of conditioning would be marked into the biological system mm-hmm. and so then there's it's there's the genetics and then the epigenetics meaning that which sits on top of the genes mm-hmm. so it's sitting on top of the genes and so there's a whole bunch of biology there that we didn't really know about before which is that there's all these room for that to be modified so you have all you know the simplest way to to describe the thing the phenomenon is you have okay you have these i have a red blood cell in my blood but they also have a cell that makes up the you know the skin of my face mm-hmm. and it's the same dna mm-hmm. you know it's the same dna and so they're programmed differently okay and that program it can be is it can be stabilized but ultimately okay. it's a software so you have the heart we have the hardware of the computer we're not going to change software i have my windows or whatever you know mm-hmm. that that's the operating system my mac operating system mm-hmm. stable you know unless i upgrade it that's how it functions mm-hmm. but it can be upgraded and it can be changed because mm-hmm. it's software similarly the dna is covered in you know there's different ways that you could for example tag the dna strand around a gene and tag it with these molecules 
that would change the way it would function. Mm-hmm. So then that tagging could be the set and setting, let's say, like when we say, you know, nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. like nurture. In other words, this, 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 you know, the thing that we didn't know where it would come from, you know, when Darwin was talking about natural selection and evolution, and then they had this guy Lamarck and Lamarck was saying, oh, no, but there's things that happen within the lifespan that would affect the way, you know, the biology functions. Like, well, everyone's like, oh, that's, how does that work? How would that work? Hmm. And now we kind of know that if, for example, somebody is like, has a very traumatized childhood and then something, an area you could focus on in their body, their cortisol receptor, like the cortisol stress response system, the gene, the affecting cortisol receptor, you know, per, the way that's where it gets produced mm-hmm. could be affected. Mm-hmm. So now you show that, oh, this person is, their trauma did affect that gene epigenetically modified that gene. And that if they have that, they're more likely to be depressed later in life. Okay. So it's like a little biological marker of some of this emotional, you know, and uh, like you said, set and setting. Hmm. Where does it, where does this, where does it touch the flesh? Mm-hmm. So then the idea is that if somebody, when we see somebody make these really big transformations, like what I described in my book, you know, in Peru, somebody that had really severe migraine headaches, now they don't have it. Somebody who had a skin, you know, just totally skin erupting and now it's not. Somebody that had bloody, painful diarrhea, and now they don't. Mm-hmm. It's like what something changed biologically, right, and materially. Yeah, how does that function then? So the idea is, so we're we're learning. So that it was a theory. You know, the theory was that there was a growing body of evidence mm-hmm. that the kind of problems that I was seeing, for example, uh, of this deep emotional healing mm-hmm. that was leading to these big shifts in mental health. You know. Mm-hmm. and even physical health. So then there's an emotional biology. You know, we know about that. So then the way this, you know, so the simplest way to think was stress. Okay, stress, people can accept that. The way stress would have its wear and tear on the system <clears throat> is a form of conditioning. So then the question is, how do you decondition the system? Wow. Yes, I like it. decondition the system, right? And are there, is that a thing? You know, we were talking about Dennis, while Dennis McKenna, you know, well, his brother, Terrence McKenna, mm-hmm. he would say things which I thought were very interesting. He would say things like, these are deconditioning agents. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have Michael Paul and say, how do you change your mind? So now we have it from the uh, people at, at Johns Hopkins, Gold Dolan's lab with the animal lab with neuroscience studying mice you know with mdma they're calling it like the opening of a critical window like the 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 substance seems to facilitate this neuroplasticity some there's a there's Mm. a plasticity that's opened again Mm. so let's say you have this window of emotional development when you're young and you're a sponge and everything you're taking everything on and you're learning Mm. new languages and music and and then all of a sudden you know the system the operating system gets kind of set And then there's less of that. You have more difficulty learning the new language, learning the new things. So then there's patterns of social, you know, uh, function that are affected by such things, you know, that influence the personality, they influence the people's emotional response to things that happen to them in their life, the way they're triggered. So I can relate to that. I recently had a um, 
my, my old demon alcohol came back into my life. Mm. And um, I looked him or her, I'm not sure yet, <laughs> um, uh, mm. in the face and uh, um, I had to now cut it again. Um, but then actually a night with uh, MDMA um, at home helped me to um, soften the, the blow to myself a lot softer. Right. Basically, I had to admit to myself that alcohol is a problem for me. Right. But if I, if I now tell myself this in the, you know, in daylight or moonlight at the moment, right. um, it, it hurts. Right. But with the MDMA, MDMA, it suddenly became a very loving, you know, understanding. Okay, this is part yeah. of me. Let's, uh, let, let's see what we can, how we can work this out. Right. How is this the window of opportunity you're talking about? It's related. I mean, it's related. There might be, I mean, that's this, the mechanisms are so complex, you know, we don't really like, it's hard to pin it down, but there, there, there are multiple elements that are related. In other words, when we become very rigid in our thinking, you know, and very judgmental. And so we get locked in to like, mm -hmm. okay, if I, I'm a terrible person because I'm drinking, you know, everything mm -hmm. I ruined my life, you know, all this, there's a negative, mm -hmm. negative, negative, very close minded. Mm -hmm. You know, so then you say, okay, then this helps you come into a more open-minded state where you can potentially reorganize, mm -hmm. you know, some of your thoughts. And so this, the, the, the open emotional space, which has a mystical element to it, it kind of opens mm -hmm. to the mystical energy, curiously enough. Mm -hmm. And somehow that openness seems to be the setting where that can kind of open the window to for this integration process for you to reorganize, you know, how you're not going to automatically this to this, this to this, this. Now you can do a couple more steps. Well, mm -hmm. and I should oh, forgive it, myself. Yeah. It's, it's, that's it. The, the forgiving the self and loving the self. Yeah. And once you, once you love the self, you open up the channels to the, to God. That's it. Hmm. So then, so then some people would say like one person said, you know what he says oh i walked into the room and somebody said oh there's a lot of closed hearts in here and he said actually you know this is a native american guy from canada that said his ancestors told him that the heart doesn't close actually like you you turn off the switches to your feeling you know in your mm -hmm. mind mm -hmm. so then you can act like this is not happening but this mm -hmm. is happening mm -hmm. and so you just don't you don't sense it you're not it's not conscious for you you're not aware but it's always and so because of trauma and stress and all these different things that happen, then you, you know, you protect yourself and you scar, you know, mm. you scar things. You don't have to feel because it was too much to feel mm. certain things. So then you lock it down and then the software of sorts or the system sets, mm. you know, so now you have a hard time coming out of that and you're blocked from your feeling, you know, which is like this, like you said, that's the connection point. Mm. That's where you're going to like find the, the hope. You know, it's from the feeling, actually, and not from the concept. So then you need to come up with different ways to decondition that kind of traumatized, stressed kind of response inside of yourself so that you can open yourself again to reorganize, you know, like that, like critical window period, reopening the window period. So like this you know, I just use those examples. Okay, this window period of emotional development or language skills of the child and it closes. And then now, okay, can we reopen that again? Something like that. Can you reopen 
these patterns of social, you know, that's what they do with the mice. It's, it's like a social patterning that they, they condition them to have these social problems. And then they see that they don't, you know, they won't act normally and they're dysfunctional. But if they give them the MDMA and expose them to the other mice, then all of a sudden they can learn it again. You know, what they were supposed to learn when they were younger. So it's, uh, it's something like that. And so then, yeah, it's related to that same process. But I think it's, it's complex. What I'm curious about mm. is the, the metaphysics of it, you know, okay. because I think that's something that's like, because what I've been thinking about lately and talking about is, for example, like the dreams, you know, so dreams, so people regularly to say that in kind of the modern thinking that, oh, maybe the dreams is just you reorganizing your emotions and, you know, mm-hmm. doing the day's stuff that you had to kind of put back in order. But it's strange because in the same space that you open yourself, which is related to the neuroscience of the psychedelic state, mm-hmm. according to the research, mm-hmm. you to, to, to allow for this space for this emotional reorganization, you know, to, to work things out that when you open that space to do something as simple as that, if that's all it is, you regularly hear reports of like mystical contact, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's very common that when you do that same thing, like with the psychedelics, similarly, you know, they talk about the default mode network. So that Mm -hmm. would be one area that you could imagine this like overly rigid thinking, get locked in Mm -hmm. and kind of having, making it more difficult for someone to, to sense the world, to sense uh, themselves. And then all of a sudden they decrease the connectivity of certain parts of the default mode network with psilocybin or something like that. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, a lot of emotional content starts coming forward. You know, the, their sensory experience of the world is overwhelming. Empathy and, and gratitude so, is uh, amplified. Yeah, is amplified. Access mm-hmm. to that stuff is amplified. Mm-hmm. Access to, you know, and then similarly, you know, very common that they have mystical experiences while they're doing that. Wow. That they all of a sudden they think they talk to God for the first time in their life. You know, wow. that's, that's, that's common. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about that circuit that I think is interesting to me that this connection, you know, that there's an energetics to the connection. Mm-hmm. And that, that energetics seems to help facilitate like uh, this emotional healing, you know. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is that we as humans are, um, are so struck with emotional problems? Well, I think it's the culture. You know, I think certain cultures have more emotional problems than others. Or, But I think there's, yeah, there is a unique thing with the human that the human mind, you know, with all of its gifts and of capacity. Mm-hmm. That is, it complicates the, you know, compared to, let's say, an animal who doesn't have that same, like, pretense of, mm-hmm. like, thinking about what they're feeling. It's, it's perhaps it's more present, more natural, more flow, like, mm-hmm. without, you know, you don't have that extra step of, like, analyzing it to the level that we do. And it's somewhere in that step, you know, that there has a risk of mm-hmm. of trying to overthink it you know over protect over you know the ego like they say is comes from that place mm. like it's trying it's trying to do the pattern recognition that's so helpful advances us so much but it's kind of a little uh weakness of the system you know that you can also form 
I dysfunctional, you know, patterns and ideas that don't, they don't match up to the world around you or to the world in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the map is not the territory kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we, yes, we can make maps and it's great and you can use your GPS, but sometimes the GPS doesn't work because it's, you know, something that's not, you know, it's not the same as knowing your way around. And, and it so, never guides me to my, my true self. So it's, yeah. it's pointless. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then the true self, you know, is where you're is is something that exists underneath mm. this conditioning. Mm. So we have to get to the part that is not that is independent of the conditioning where you can say, Oh, yeah, I could see how this could be conditioned this way or that way, but still underneath is this. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for the human, we're just we're set up for to be, you know, one example. I was in uh, I was at UCSD in medical school, and there was some other because the San Diego Zoo is a famous place, and uh, in California, and so some of the more advanced exotic animals, you know, and it's really uh, expensive and all the rest, you know, they use the human doctors to check on them because it's like they, you know, they have to see, you know, they're veterinary, but especially the primates, right, the orangutan and the gorilla. They're going to do a surgery on the gorilla. They they use the the human doctor. Okay. So we would hear these stories from some of our professors of some of their interactions, you know, with the uh, with the gorillas. And mm-hmm. so the one guy said, "Yeah, he did an operation on the gorilla, uh, like the uterus or something, you know." And it was he's like, "It's the same. It was the same for him when when he <laughs> oh, opened well. it. You know, that's this is his job, right? He does it every day." <laughs> He said it was the same. And then and then afterwards, there was a problem that one of the gorillas that had been raised in captivity alone, without any social contact, when she had a baby, they, they did breed her with some gorilla somehow. I don't know how. Hmm. And then she had a baby and she didn't take care of it. You know, wow. she did not. She did not take care of it. And they thought this was so instinctual, you know, this was like normal, like why you wouldn't have to teach them this, you know, but wow. then they said, well, they were like, you know, what it opened the, the discussion was in the higher primates, right. where so much is learned, you know, mm-hmm. that so much is left to be learned, mm-hmm. you know, born very small, very, you know, very uh, not, not ready to live like a bird or a snake or, you know, even right. You know, really helpless, and for then they years as well for years, and but they wouldn't yeah. even know. You know, that's that reminds me of like the movie The Blue Lagoon. Like, mm-hmm. if the two kids are left alone, mm-hmm. you know, puberty will be a mystery to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a dog, it will. They they don't need that education. Mm. You know, so there's yes. there's so much left. So then, in the, in his point was, in these higher primates, so much of the knowledge because of the way the system is set up is stored in the culture. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of room, you know, for ignorance that we okay. wouldn't anticipate, mm. you know, because of the nature of the, of the system of how, of how we're functioning. So if you don't have the, so then they took the gorilla and they took her with other gorillas. Mm-hmm. They, she just spent time with other gorillas. They put movies of other gorillas in front of her and they said some time like that. And the next time she had a baby, she took care of her baby. You know, wow, that's what they taught us. This guy, you know, mentioned that to me. And I always remember that. Wow. And it was like, you know, like you know, the capacity for ignorance and the higher primates is really high. And for the humans, yeah. even more. And we see that, right? We're always shocked mm-hmm. to hear like how different 
different people could behave or what they believe, you know, it seems so far away, you know, from what we might think. Mm. And so you see, there's a lot of room there. And so then how do you line it up in Colombia? Some friends of mine are part of a group that is, is trying to create a network of, you know, teachings through with all these indigenous healers and their cultures. Mm -hmm. And so they're, you know, his thing is that one thing they're going to, they have a documentary. It's not out yet, but maybe in July, but he's like, you know, every 10 meters on the earth, you know, it changes. And so mm -hmm. the energy changes so is like, that's why there's so much diversity, you know, of the animals and the plants and why all the different cultures, Mm -hmm. It's the diversity of the earth that allows for all these different, you know, languages and accents and all the subtle things. And says, so, well, we have to, we have to kind of come back to the, the, there's a frequency that we can connect to universally. And so that's, if we need, the culture can be diverse and it can be different in all the different phases, but it, if it's connected mm. to, like he says, you know, the energy of the creation, the energy of the earth, then mm. we'll be okay. Says so that's what we have to do is realign you know, all the different villages of the earth have to remember how to connect back to the earth to find the universal energy that they're connected to. The universal truth. The universal, universal truth. truth. Mm. Yeah. Which um, yeah, go I'm ahead. Trying to um, 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 twist my mind because I, I want to ask you one more question about the, the metaphysics of, mm -hmm. of healing. Right. And if you can speak to that again. Because I have. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a mystery, right? It's a mystery we don't understand so back to the study we'll go back to the study so then we we have these samples of saliva of the people that have this transformation in mdma mm -hmm. and then we see that and we're, we're trying to publish this it should be published hopefully in the next month is in it's in review at a journal right now mm -hmm. and so we see that certain gene regions that there is a change that you can show the way that the dna is tagged by these methyl groups by these molecules Mm -hmm. According to the analysis that the people who did better, you know, clinically improved more, that they had more change in along these areas. So there was this biological shift, you know, that happened that's linked to. So we have to see, we have to do the follow up and see if it's true. But so far, yeah. it made sense before. That's why we asked the question, you know, mm -hmm. so we think there's something here. A lot of people are very curious to hear how this goes. So there's some kind of shift that happens. And, um, and so what is that? Because some, you know, the same thing is, can be, so obviously, okay, you took MDMA, they did the MDMA, but mm -hmm. they see the same kind of shift happening with people with uh, meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see DNA tags change on mm -hmm. the same gene regions. The same kind of thing can happen with psychotherapy, mm -hmm. meaning they're not touching each other. They're, they could even do it on Zoom maybe, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, what is the energy that's being transferred, that's allowing for this biochemical change. Mm. You know, where is that energy coming from? Is and it Rupert Sheldrake's, um, uh, what do you talk about? Fields, his, um, I know what you mean, the- um, Morphogenetic. <laughs> morphogenetic field. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an example. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. So it's like, okay, so you tune into this other field. Anyways, there's just, there's an element of it that we don't entirely understand, mm. but that there is some kind of, there's a biological shift, you know, if you love, if you love this puppy and it grows and if you, the other one, you kick it every day, you know, it's quite obvious, like the way they'll grow differently. And so is that the, the, the morphogenetic field or what, what is that? 
the thing is there's something to the there's a quality to it you know that is is real is what we're saying that and that's what the native culture here says you know they're like well the human being has yeah we have you know physical faculties sure we have mental faculties okay we can agree we have emotional faculties like we have a sense of what's going on with each other socially we can sense some what's going on in somebody else's emotional world the more intimate we are with them the more readily it is even with a dog or a horse you know you have a very good sense of what's going on inside their their the gut their feeling body. that everyone talks are about are they are they afraid are they angry are they happy um so that's a normal sense and then you know they would go as far to say well you have a spiritual faculty as well you know when the sense of your your intuition you know your uh your what you find meaningful you know when you find something that's happening you know this is significant this is significant for my life this is significant for this moment what's going on hmm, something important is happening your intuition about things about your decision making process this is bigger than so me kind it's of. bigger than me so that's that's a that's a reality actually like this is a this is a universal phenomenon mm -hmm. whether or not how you use it or you know what is it good for they can argue about that but they would say to deny that is is foolish mm -hmm. so if you if you deny those four faculties you know of your experience it's not honest mm. it's not true and so the 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 spiritual experience and, and the way these invisible elements of like you know the like my friend would say you know i've got a friend over in england he's a reverend he says well you know there's the bread right but then there's the breadiness of the bread yeah you know? if it was as simple as just oh the right chemistry and oh i just made you know this just right mm -hmm. versus this bread that the person who made it they love you so much and you know just it's it, everything's just right and you know you know where you got the the, the grain and then the, the milk and then the cow and all this it's different mm -hmm. when you go to the mm -hmm. concert when I talked to you, you know, and I was on a podcast this morning and somebody I don't know very well, but then with you, we hung out, we were there with Dennis McKenna and his underwear mm. and everything, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's a different kind of experience, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different quality. Mm -hmm. And so those are real aspects of our life. So then That's they San would Francisco say, sourdough. what's that? Yeah, That's there San you Francisco go. Sourdough. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of sourdough. My brother became a sourdough guy from the COVID. You know, and several people had it. I know like three people. I know three people that are doing that. Wow. And it's, they get better and better. So it's just like that side of things is like, okay, we know that affects your body. We know that affects your health. That's the placebo effect. You know, mm -hmm. what these invisible elements that we know influence things. Mm -hmm. So if we don't address that side, and deal, mm -hmm. we're missing out on something that is relevant. It's something that could be, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's mysterious. So it could be abused and overstated. And, you know, there's a lot of charlatan type of energy around mm -hmm. that. So yes, that's true. But that there's nothing with that, that's not quite accurate. You know, so, so the, the healing is, you know, the deeper healing, the holistic healing is incorporating those elements, mm -hmm. you know. How does it feel to go through this process? And what is it? What is the meaning for you in your life to go through this process? And are those things in alignment with what we're doing? And then there's a there's a stronger energy that um, 
seems to facilitate the healing further, you know, when you bring those elements in mm. to the fold. So there's some, I don't know, metaphysics. I say metaphysics because it's just like it's speaking to this, this level and this layer that has an influence, but we don't know all the material aspects of it. You know, we know it's connected, it's in continuum somehow with the material. But my point is if we ignore it, just because we can't measure it the right way, it's probably a mistake, you know, and the reason it's a mistake. And now we can with the epigenetic study, it's like, it's an interesting look. And like, hey, this person had this deep emotional process, this deep, they had this deep forgiveness, the MDMA, oh, they open themselves up. They're not judging themselves the same way. They were able to talk it out in therapy, you know? And so something happened during that process. Like they, they felt it, they experienced it, they believe it. And now their biology is a little different in a way that makes sense that the trauma, which also was an energy, you know, I guess there's the memory, there's this, there's that, but some people are traumatized by just seeing something, you know, but then it like locks into their system, into their body. And so how does that release? How does that change? And this emotional dimension, this spiritual dimension become important when we're trying to help people heal from those things. And we are so so well equipped to understand the this side of the of the veil, the, the right. 3D world. Right. But then what happens on the other side of the veil is so mystical. Right. But we know it happens, the healing happens here, but we need to quantify it on, on this side. And that's right. the difficult bridge to it's the cross. difficult bridge. So that's what that's what our epigenetic study is trying to explore. Mm -hmm. Just for the for the interest of that. It's like, hey, there's something quantifiable did change. Mm -hmm. you know, but because on the other side, the reality is people like the veil is already blurred, you mm -hmm. know, like at all times, but we create this cultural, like this is on this side of the veil and this is on that side of the veil. You know, I talk about, for example, mental mm -hmm. thinking is on this side of the veil, but thinking turns out as a mystical mystery, you know, beyond we, nobody understands. What are ideas? Where what are ideas? Mm -hmm. Where do they come from? Mm -hmm. But then it's become culturally, politically you know, uh, academically kosher, you know, to say, mm -hmm. oh, that's, I didn't, I'm not uh, being foolish. I'm not being woo-woo. Mm -hmm. I only speak about thoughts and concepts. You know, maybe I talk about imagination, you know, but that's okay too. Don't worry. I do dream. <laughs> I dream. Okay, I admit that, but it's mm -hmm. meaningless. I'm just reorganizing my emotions, you know. <laughs> and so there's, or it's like, if I go to a rock concert, I might, I might get into the vibe and really, you know, mm -hmm feel stuff and have some strange things happen to me. Or if I go to the soccer game, maybe I'll, you know, do some superstitious behaviors. So, <laughs> do some betting. <laughs> yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So, so there's room. So then, but like, for example, PTSD, like the, the publishable results when they do the, the cap score, like in other words, how do you determine how anxious somebody is, how depressed they are, how PTSD they are. There is a, there's a, uh, subjective element they ask mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. you know there's a scale based on you asking the human mm -hmm. how do you feel about this how do you feel about that how do you feel when they have a score so there's a set of um, question yeah um, after which they they create a score yeah. okay. that's how they do a study for prozac mm -hmm. great so then they make it sound like oh it's so quantifiable and you know they have a lot of money behind it and a lot of money on the other side of it mm -hmm. But on the way there, it was a subjective question, you know, mm -hmm. that they asked the people. You know, they didn't measure their brain function. They didn't measure things in their blood. You know, they asked them. 
How, mm -hmm. how's it going? How do you feel about your life and your day? And that's how they determine, oh, this is working. So my mm -hmm. point is it's already there. Mm. You know, it's already there like the both sides of the veil are already there because how people feel does matter and that's the key to selling mm. things like prozac you know you can't unless you can come up with some kind of quantifiable assessment of how they feel then it's difficult to sell that stuff that's fascinating mm. um i recently wrote a, a little i guess i could call it a, a thought hypothesis and I titled mm -hmm. it, um, um, is it our human responsibility to seek out psychedelic experiences? What do you think? Uh, I don't, I, I think that, I think, you know, I, I, my opinion about the psychedelic movement and stuff is that it's not necessary for everyone to do it. It's not of everyone's interest. It's not, there are people can achieve the same, although many people achieve the breakthrough with psychedelics, like, their opening to spirituality was through psychedelics or their opening about this healing was through psychedelics, but other people do find that without it, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. And so the responsibility is more towards, you know, finding the true self, mm -hmm. like by whatever means. So it, this is a tool, this could help, you know, maybe psychedelics is a pathway. And I think it all, I would say, I don't think it's like, you know, like Dennis and Terrence, like the stoned ape theory of, uh, oh, this is how religion started. Yeah or immortality key like only with this you know would they do this i don't believe that because there's so many meditation traditions and spiritual traditions that don't do that that are very mystical mm. you know and I'm, my family is like that you know my mom is a catholic but she's very mystically focused and oriented and with a lot of prayer and a lot of meditation and so for her it's it's not necessarily necessary to do that to mm -hmm. kind of open herself to a, the magic of the world mm -hmm. and so my point is that the responsibility that i encourage people is to find the pathway you know to their true self this is a possibility that should be open i don't think if people should be held back from this possibility you know there should be ways for people to legally explore this freely um but really the responsibility is to that is is to the to the true self and ultimately ultimately that responsibility is rooted in their own search for health and the quality of their life like that's what it's for you know it's for their health that's that's what their health and well-being you know how do they feel about themselves how do they feel about their life how what is the quality of their relationships you know with their loved ones with you know how are they going to feel about themselves when they lay down to die Mm -hmm. like, those mm -hmm. are the issues that I think you have a responsibility to that. Mm -hmm. And so if psychedelics is, is part of that path for you, that can help you realize that I think, Hey, that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's important. But I think when we say it's like, it's only through psychedelics, then, then you kind of exclude the people that they feel for like sure. they found it, you know, mm -hmm. and then there's a, then there's a battle and um, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I also was um, kind of uh, in, in my musings, I was um, thinking about that not, um, it doesn't have to be with a compound or molecule or, or a drug, let's, mm -hmm. let's call it this way. Right. But, but um, a psychedelic experience can be, you know, as you said, uh, achieves the meditation, it can be breath work, a breath work, a, a walk in the today, I, I was walking with my dad and, and we were sitting on a bench and looking up and the green trees against the blue sky. I'm, I rarely have seen such beauty. 
And it's in those moments that a psychedelic experience happens to me. Right. You know, but then we would say, I would say, like, I call it a spiritual experience. And so right. sometimes it's psychedelic, <laughs> it's spiritual. Sometimes it's not. Right. Okay. No. So then that's why, because, but I get it. I'm saying, because this mm. is what, because when we come to know that stuff through psychedelics, then we, that's, it reminds us of that, you know? Yes. But it's like, well, actually the, the psychedelic is reminding us of this. Yes. And so that's, I think, important, you know? So that's like, thank you. Yeah. Because we, there's, it's a, it's a, you know, like we're involved here with the spiritual community in Arizona that is, you know, seeking permission to use ayahuasca as a sacrament. And so, Mm -hmm. You know, so we're saying, yeah, it's an essential sacrament for us. We believe we have the right to use this when we when we feel like we need to use it for our ceremony to help us to access the divine. You know, Mm -hmm. that being said, we don't only access the divine through that, but it Mm -hmm. helps us strengthen our access to that. Ideally, we have increased access, you know, more and more all the time is what Mm -hmm. we're hoping for you know, with the substance and without the substance, like there's that, that responsibility is the goal. And mm-hmm. so then in that sense, then it finds its place, you know? So the Colombian, the Colombian, uh, one of the, I had some friends of mine come on a, a little podcast or a zoom or something. And so we had these Colombian elders, you know, for, with the Yahe, the Colombian ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what do you think? You know, that it's out in the world. How do you feel about it? You know, do you think they should be doing it in in Europe or wherever? Mm. What's your opinion? And he was his opinion was like, well, it's out. It's already out. You know, that's 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 out. So we're just trying to share our experience with them. So hopefully it can help them to learn how to work with it well. And he said, you know, here's a little tip. He's like, if it's making you feel like you're more than or more special than, you know, everyone else or everything else, he's like, it's not working mm-hmm. like this should be making you feel more integral to the whole, mm-hmm. you know? So then that's why it's like, if the psychedelic movement is about distinguishing itself from everybody mm-hmm. else who doesn't know, who didn't get it, you know, versus like, Oh my God, this is helping me join everything. You know, now I can, I, to me, that's important. You know, and because that's for us with ayahuasca, it's like it's from nature and the plants and the forest. And so that's the message of the forest is like, it's not about it's joining the forest, you know, being part of the forest, being part of the earth, being part of the planet, being part of the human society. That's what we need more of, you know, not just like, oh, I know this because I did this and you didn't and you you, you will never know until you do it. I'm I'm more advanced because I'm. You yeah, know, I've, I've I've sat in twenty ceremonies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I I read in um, um I don't know where, but in in LA, there are five hundred ayahuasca ceremonies each week weekend. That's what they say. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's true. So then they, you know, I say at the same time with ayahuasca that I work with ayahuasca, it's like if just drinking ayahuasca by itself was enough to make you enlightened and mm. do all that, then why isn't Colombia and the Amazon? Why isn't it so perfect? Just why is it levitating <laughs> yeah why isn't Iquitos Peru levitating it's mm. it's quite chaotic there mm. you know so it's not enough just to do it and say you do it and it's like you have to learn and you have to come into this integrity mm. of like to honor the plants 
And so people are just doing it. You know, I was, I had, I had, uh, I had met Will Smith a long time ago, you know? And so then I, then I was lately, I knew I met somebody that said, Oh, I, you know, I can connect you. Like, Oh, I want to give him my book because, you know, he, he's talking about ayahuasca a lot. And so I wonder maybe he can help me promote it and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he does what he does. He has a meltdown and slaps this guy. And so it's just like, you know, it's not enough to just do it. You know, it's like, it takes time. It takes, we're all human. And it's, there's a lot more to it than that. So the context is so important. The The reality of how we live, our behavior is so important, you know? And that's what somebody asked me. I was talking to my friend, Rachel Harris, who has another book, Listening to Ayahuasca, which I like a lot. And she said, she's asking people, what's integration? And she says, she's a psychologist, therapist. And she says, for her, the integration, one way to think about it is, behavior change like until your behavior changes like what really happened you know some new idea some new words but it's like Mm -hmm. what you know when are we when does the behavior change that you really are able to take that energy and transform it into the flesh surprisingly when when i think back of my the um the first um retreat I've, i've been on um, the medicine part was was minuscule versus the community aspect. The people I met, the yeah. the, the the stories I shared, the the friendships I, I've I've crafted th- until now. Yeah, that, um, and, I, and I'm, Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, um, and I I, I often um, when I get asked about um, psychedelics or ayahuasca, then it's almost the question is is asking. If I drink this, then will everything be okay? Right. But, but the, I, and I guess you you could attest to this, but this is the, the wrong approach to it. Yeah, it's you're 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 drinking it to ask for it to help you, you know, um, well for something to change, and now nothing has to change. Nothing has to change. You have to you have to change. Right. So then we're stuck. Well, I have a hard time changing. I don't know how to make the change. So then we're asking the plants to help us to change. You know, that's honoring the plants for us mm-hmm. in the nature. Mm-hmm. We say, we're not showing up, oh, fix me, you know, do it for me. And so mm-hmm. then the way they talk about it, like another perspective that I bring up a lot is my friends here in Arizona, the Navajo tribe and my friend Daryl, that he says, well, for them, a ceremony like that, it can be, doesn't have to be with plants. It could just be ceremony, pure ritual that, that instead of set and setting, the way they talk about it is like just simplify, just love, you know, that you're approaching it with love. The, the ceremony is set in love. The environment is set in love. You know, all of that is love. Like, is it loving or not? You ask yourself, you know, in your heart, you do, you do your best. The next step is the session itself, what people all the trip, the journey, but they say, okay, for them, that's the gift, you know, whatever, maybe it's hard, maybe it's uncomfortable, but it's this opportunity to be, with a supernatural, you know, experience. So that's the gift. And then afterwards, what they call the integration, you know, the way they talk about it is that is the responsibility of the gift. You know, so you're, you're given an, you're given an opportunity Mm -hmm. and then it's like, okay, well, you, do you take responsibility for that opportunity? Mm. You know, what do you do with it? Because maybe, you know, hope maybe it gave some this person, it gave them so much 
that it's easy for them. They, they didn't even have to work. They're cha- they're changed. Like, oh, wow, that happens sometimes. Not that common, but it does happen. So everyone's hoping for that, you know, an easy one. That would be nice. But most of those people, when you get to know them and you talk to them, then some other aspect of their life was a much slower, you know, shift. It wasn't so easy. Or this other thing is still, eh, you know, they're working on it. So it's not all going to be super fast and easy. Some of it is going to be difficult and it's going to take dedication and discipline and, and it's going to be hard sometimes. And so you need the support to make it easier to get through. So the, the community <clears throat> becomes a huge thing, you know, but to be in community with, with the, you know, the ceremony helps, the, the, the sessions help to, to open people up to a new moment together you know, and to share with each other. So if you, like I said, the ceremony, you create a situation where it's safe, you know, you're responsible, safe, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, people can be vulnerable mm-hmm. and where there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. So when you Makes do sense. that, when you do those mm-hmm. three elements, well, then you bring a community that's, a, that's agreeing to and doing that with integrity, mm-hmm. then a lot can happen. Mm-hmm. you know and then the magic unfolds magic things can happen mm-hmm. you know the love can really flow and then you see all the ways that that can give you a new hope for yourself a new way like we say the community maladoma Somme, african shamans used to say the community functions to hold the space for where you hope to be when you don't have the strength anymore so it's like the energetic landscape you know, right. I, this morphogenetic field that Rupa show, okay, I want to be here and I'm working towards here, but it's too hard right now and I can't. And then my friend comes yeah. in with me yeah. and then everyone's doing that for each other. Yeah. Say, okay, well, it's a healing ceremony. We're all going to be here together to pray for each other like that. Hmm. So then now with each other, the voltage of some problem that's too much, it's easier. Hmm. And so when you hear there's something happened to you that makes you feel so alone, and so embarrassing and oh god you know and, and then you hear the person across the room say actually this happened to me and you're like what <laughs> no like, way <laughs> they're, they're okay that you know yeah. maybe i can be okay mm. you know so then we share and so the community aspect is is really important and then building community that can be a community even when they're not you know when you don't it doesn't always have to be with the substance you know now just the community knows how to do it they know how to open the channel with each other and so they support each other and then there are other times we say yes we're going to bring the substance in you know for its uh, for its holy you know capacity to help us but we're also going to do our part responsibly to do it to honor the gift you know to say thank you ayahuasca Thank you, MDMA. You know, I'm remembering what you showed me. I'm I'm living that right now. It's the reverence to the to the um, real spirit of the medicine. Yes, you know, because it's that's that that same gratitude is that orientation. This is a metaphysical question again. I have. It's like that that orientation to that energy of gratefulness opens you Mm. to uh, more inspiration. It's easier to be inspired, you know, when you're grateful, Mm. like your brain is more open. Mm. And so there's a lot of research around that, that the person who's more grateful is more resilient. Their body is more resilient. The immune system functions better. 
And so then that's a question mark where you, you become, you, you're grateful and that opens you to this thing, you know, the yogis and everybody's talking about it, their prana, their energy, you know, they're lining their chakras so they can receive something. I love it. Have you heard of um, um, Huberman, Andrew Huberman? No. He's a neuroscientist from Stanford. Okay. And uh, he, um, fascinating uh, thinker, but he talks about um, gratitude now everyone talks about oh, be, just be grateful um, in the morning yeah. um, post on instagram you're three three things you're grateful for this yeah, is, yeah yeah this is not how it works this is not how your brain um, functions you have to, it doesn't matter what you're grateful for but you have to be truly grateful for and if right. it's because you just punch someone in the face and you're grateful for this punch you uh, you were allowed to give then be grateful for that because right. then your your body and your your soul can can truly appreciate the, the I'm I'm being facetious here, but yeah, um, just to make the most of it, yeah, exactly. No, and be truthful, mm -hmm. be mean, be yeah, mean yeah. what you're grateful for, right? And so just showing off, you know, like we said, these practices mm -hmm. like you said on Instagram mm -hmm. or whatever, it's like that's it's not the same, you know. Like some of these things are not. It's 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 really a felt experience and. Hmm. you know just i don't know it's but there are better people it's okay that people are coming up with different ways to practice and sure but if it works yeah. for them so this is the quantifiable thing again so in other words if gratitude has mm -hmm. these measurable influences at stanford neuroscience mm -hmm. these other places so now we can see whether or not the person is really being grateful or not mm. yeah <laughs> that's true if you're really if you're a gratitude practice that you're telling me is so genuine and sincere well then we should be seeing some improvements in these areas and that's the state of the science like, like to finish up here because i have to go in a little bit that's, right. <clears throat> that's where we are as you said on this side of the veil we know enough now mm -hmm. to say it may not be as simple as that and we didn't have to generalize so much but if we could say like hey this person there this this gratitude you know exercise is working because mm -hmm. they say they're more grateful and their markers are going up Mm, yeah. This other person says mm. they're more grateful, but we're not seeing a change in the markers. Mm. So that's like the metaphysics question. Okay. How come their health isn't responding? How come, you know, so that's my question, you know, where does the spirit touch the flesh? Mm. And we have ways to measure that. And it's important. We don't want to get carried away, but it can help us to kind of see like, okay, this person's spiritual practice They say they're so spiritual. They say everybody should believe what they believe. But then when we look at these universal measures of their immune function and their, you know, their neural networks, it's like, oh, this one looks a little depressed. This one looks a little sick. And then this other person is saying, well, humbly, I do this, I do that, you know, and their, their measures are great. And for reasons of like public health, you know, we should explore that. Sure. And say well you know that that maybe that kind of belief system that that person is promoting it might mm. be a little damaging to the health of our society mm. true um joe I, you said um you, you're you're pushed for time now do i have to yeah, have one, one last question yeah last question okay it's an easy one it's almost quantifiable What's okay. love to you? What does love to you uh, mean to love you? Love to me. Love to me is, I would say, like a couple things. One, one simple idea, which interestingly enough, was I have it in the book. It's a German guy. 
you know, advanced self-growth, yes. everything you were talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, interesting man. He was like advanced meditator, blah, 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 all these things. Self-growth expert, 75 years old by the time he gets to Peru. And I have the story there. But anyways, the point is he, in all his advanced evolution of himself, I was very interested to hear what ayahuasca, you know, what, what messages he would receive. And it took a while and he had his journey. And it was through stories that he actually learned, you know, this. But ultimately, they explained to him, and he told us in the morning, says, love is, uh, uh, what is it? <laughs> love is uh, basically like acceptance of everything, you know, mm-hmm. as it is without reservation. Like, that's one way to describe it, you know. No, ju- the, the absence of judgment and the absence of judgment. ego the absence of yeah the transcendence of ego the transcendence of judgment and so then it allows for the so then it is also like uh the interconnectedness of all things mm-hmm. you know and so then that like gets expressed in the human being i think you know when they when they find that in themselves when they have these moments or they where they feel that interconnectedness you know they're transcending judgment and so they're they're now have moments of feeling the harmony mm-hmm. of themselves you know in this life in this earth and so then they there's a certain warmth mm-hmm. that they share you know and that's that's another that's love as well you know yeah i think love uh, um that transcends all judgment and and ego is what we need in this world mm-hmm. currently more so than ever um so first of all thank you so much for for offering your time um yeah. sharing this conversation with me um i can't let you go before i tell you that your book um the fellowship of the rings has made it into the river the river i knew it i did i did it on purpose yeah i thought it would be a good marketing tool because i thought uh, it's I sketchy, it's it's sketchy. don't do it don't do it uh um but anyway the, um fellowship of the river made it to um uk high school and um, Luca's uh, nephew, he's writing uh, his um, like a coursework on ayahuasca, and uh, um, the Fellowship of the the River is uh, is basically his Bible at the moment. That's and incredible. And he's taking uh, your work to his teacher and says, "No, no, look, there's Doctor Tafer, who is he's a, he's a certified <sighs> medical doctor. He's talking about this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. That's, that's mm. incredible. You know that mm. that is. Um... For me, you know, to everything we're talking about, like my relationship with the plants and my dedication, like the book was like, it was a, it was a, for me personally, I mean, it's a book, it's a book for whatever people like it or they don't like it. But for me, it was a very sacred experience, you know, to, to, to be in the jungle and and writing it and thinking about it. And, and that was my dream, you know, that it would be like, I think like Carlos Castaneda, you know, when I was in high school and going to college, that's, they had those books. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't this book, you know, be something mm-hmm. like that, that other people, because I was like, this is different because his was a mystery. Who are these people? You know, we don't know what happened, but for us, it's like, I don't know. We're real. He's, they're still on the internet. You can go there right now. Mm-hmm. So it's so meaningful and beautiful for me. I can't believe that, you know, yeah, I, no, no, your, your work um, is, uh, is transcending people's life. Yeah, no, no that's thank un- you. it's incredible for me, you know, so, so many people uh, are part of that, you know, mm-hmm. I was just, and my last point is that like this big, this, this contribution that, you know, I'm so happy to be a part of is 
like came from me deciding to go like, oh, don't do, don't, don't go to the jungle. You're a doctor, you know, do mm. just stick to the system. Like, you know, this is it. This is, this is what we need. And that's, you know, what I was like, well, this is making me feel sick. Like, I don't, I don't know. I can't, you know, I was struggling so much and everybody, oh no, this is, you're, you're lucky. You should be doing this. And so then I decided to go to the jungle, you know, and sit in a hut and, you know, long time, a lot of time. And that's what opened the doors, you know, like if I went the other way, I would have never touched this kid in UK, No, no. but it's because I went and sat in the jungle, you mm. know, that way. So that's my favorite part. Thank you, Mother like, Ayahuasca, you did. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, Ayahuasca, the plants, you know, Ricardo, the Shipibo people, mm. the culture that opens the door, you know, our culture, this side of the veil that's laying all the science down. You know, that was, that's like the last line of the book is, is, uh, maybe I'll just read the last line of the book. If I find a Please copyright do. here. Please do. Of the, of the acknowledgements. The- I'm at my mom's <laughs> house. I store some copies here. Uh, this is the last line of the acknowledgements, you know, of the book. Lastly, many thanks to all of the hardworking medical scientists and academic researchers out there. Thank you for continuing to develop our knowledge base and proving to me that biology, emotion, and spirituality belong in the same sentence. Wow. What a way to end. (laughs) And I don't want it to end. I want to talk to you for three more hours. Thank you. Another day. Another day we'll do it again. No, really, thank you so much, uh, Joe. It's been such a pleasure. No, thank you very much. Good to see you. Great to see you again. You too. Next time with uh, Dennis, not half naked. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. What a conversation. Ah, I loved it. And I hope you did too. Thank you so much for um, sticking with me until now. Um, I have all the important links um, for you to find out more about Joe and uh, maybe also follow him on on social media uh, in the show notes and um, once again I can only highly highly recommend his book The Fellowship of the River it's uh, a beautiful read Um, um, if you're interested in ayahuasca um, it's a must and if you're kind of thinking hey um, what is this all about Um, equally it's a must Um, thank you again Um, if you'd like to support us um, please share like um, put a few stars down for us that would be amazing but um, yeah the further we can spread the word about these powerful um, medicines um, about how we all become better humans um, I think the better um, humanity becomes humbly I may say Now, um, I hope to see you soon uh, for the next installment of the Pistachio Experience. Goodbye and love always.